This is John at Ubaldi Reports. With you, with me as always, is my good friend and fellow Marine combat vet Joe Bitts. And we got a lot to talk about today. There's many things going on, but the biggest thing that we're going to tie everything in, and we would love your opinions or thoughts and questions. So type those questions in and we'll respond to those questions. If you want to talk to us for a little a greater length, wait till the end of the, the podcast and we'll still remain on TikTok from that. But what we're going to talk about is how the media covers these political events. Now, what Joe and myself were kind of talking about before we kind of got on to went live on TikTok was the, the writ was it? Rittenhouse? Yeah, the Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse of trial up in Kenosha. Now, as I told Joe, I initially didn't cover it, not because I didn't want to cover it. It's not newsworthy. I'm not saying that. But the big thing is it's hard to cover it from the media, from watching it from the media because if you've never served on a jury trial, and I have all the way to – we found the, the person uh, guilty of a domestic violence ch- uh, case. You don't get a lot of the, the nuances that the jury gets. You don't get to hear everything. You don't get to see the evidence. So it makes a big difference. But the media failed to cover some things. Even So, the, so no. I, I did want to talk about the media for a second. So last week was Veterans Day. Correct. Okay. Did you thank a reporter or a media person for doing their job as a reporter or a journalist? Because I guess they go through the same trials and tribulations as us veterans do, because that's what they related themselves to. Who the hell said that? (laughs) It was in one of the papers is that they're like... Yes, on Veterans Day, you should you know you should show your support and respect for your fellow veterans and the media. I'm going to thank the media that they got shot at. Yeah, and I write, oh boy, that's what I'm going to do. Well, I think, but it was just kind of like, how can you kind of blow yourself up? That's and, oh, yeah, well, how can you put yourself on the same level as veterans? Period. It's amazing. <laughs> that is so. But make sure you, hey, thank a journalist, everybody. I'm going to thank the journalist when I get off this TikTok. When you see a journalist say, hey, thank you for your thank, reporting. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that kind of goes into, you know, you said it, the whole Rittenhouse thing is being very, I want to say underreported, but I mean, they were barraging this kid in the beginning. Like when it, when it first initially happened. They were like, this white supremacist, this vigilante, this Trump supporter, this, you know, they were just trying to but, brand this kid as a bad person from the get. No, they were. But the one thing, like I said, I didn't really follow it because it's hard. Uh, in all these trials, it's hard to follow because unless you're there in the courtroom every day, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. But yeah. The one thing I just found out this week I was talking to my younger brother, and I was saying, we both agreed he probably shouldn't have gone to Kenosha in the first place, because I thought he came from outside the state. I didn't know mm-hmm. he his father lives in Kenosha, who asked him to come over, come to Kenosha, yeah, for for to help with safety up there. Then it's just everything that the media reported on was false. Yeah, but. Then they call, like you said, they called him a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. President Biden j- chimed in. Even Jen Psaki, the press spokesman, when he was at when Peter Ducey asked him a question about the Rittenhouse case, he goes, "Oh, I can't comment on 
an ongoing trial. But then she said, but President Biden believes this guy's a white supremacist, da, da, whatever the term she used. Well he, well, he said he was a white supremacist. Based off what? But he, he said that during the campaign. And then the Fox reporter, whoever he is. Peter Ducey. Okay, P- Peter Ducey kind of threw it back at her. And then she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we don't talk about that. And well, it's ongoing, but we don't like the vigilantism and blah, 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 blah. So she's still kind of. She commented on yeah, it. Yeah, she kind of commented on it, but only in favor of her, not. But see, the thing is, when they called him a white supremacist. Yeah. Based off what? What evidence that they. Because Whatever right, the media tells them. But see, right now. If you're white and we disagree with your viewpoint, you're a white supremacist. That's the whole thing with the the governor's race in Virginia when the Republican won. They kept painting him, oh, you're white, you're racist. You're white, you're racist. And people are like, what do you mean? I'm not racist. And it's just the media coverage is, to me, has been despicable. It's look at the media coverage with President Joe Biden. If all these scandals would have happened under President Trump. Do you think the media wouldn't have covered it? Or look at the situation with Hunter Biden. If that would have been his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, or Don Jr., or any of his kids went through, did what Hunter Biden did, do you think the media wouldn't have covered it? I know, but we seem to keep on going back to that. And I think we need the, to, kind of, I think we still need to, I think we need to focus on still stuff that they're not reporting, but not go back as far. I mean, we're almost we're about a year out of a Trump okay. presidency. And but here, OK, let's do this. We've got a severe supply chain disruption. One of the per, the person who should be responsible for solving it or fixing it or managing it or trying to come to a solution is the secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg. How many people in the United States know during the height of this, he took a two month family leave? Because he and his um, partner or husband adopted two kids. Well, this is coming from a guy that doesn't have a baby, all right? So, I mean, there's a bonding experience, John, and there's a moment, and, you know, you got yeah, to help out your husband. Oh, yeah, but but in, right in the middle of a pandemic, and there was no number two at the, the, uh, the Department of Transportation. So who was making these decisions? And, I, I, you know what, um, because where you work, you know, you talk to your boss, he never gets a day off, you know, and this is, you know, a f- franchise that he does. So, you know, if it's if he has to work all day, if you're the secretary of transportation, guess what, buddy? If there's a crisis, you need to get your ass out there and you need to fix it. Because if, if anything, it would have made him look good because for right now, come 2024, he's the only probably hopeful of actually running against um, uh, a Republican. Well, okay, here's the point. If he took two months off for family leave, this week President Biden was in Baltimore to, you know, to see what was going on for supply chain disruption. Baltimore, 1% of all trade comes to Baltimore. Has Pete Buttigieg, has the Commerce Secretary, has the Labor Secretary, has the Vice President, has the um, president of the United States, have they been to Long Beach and have they been to Los Angeles, which 40% of all traffic from uh, goods go to? No, but they did sign the infrastructure bill, John. Oh, yeah. And then this week, CNBC reported that farmers are having a difficult time getting their product to market. 
we think about you know product coming into the United States, but the United States exports a lot of product overseas. Is that because of workers, or is that because it's a lack combination of-, of things? It's okay. a combination of workers. It's a combination of truckers. There's not enough truck drivers because there's a shortage. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the ports that are not. You know, when back a couple months, what, two months ago, Joe Biden said it's a game changer. We're going to go 24 mm-hmm. 7. The situation is even worse now. Has the media covered that? No. And I mean, what about Christmas? That's the other one. I say gift cards. Okay. Now, when we talk about the bias in the media, I wrote an article, God, I want to say two years ago. And I didn't know what you should do. You should repost that article so everybody can see it. I will repost that article. I just got to dig it up and I'll repost it. But what I wrote was, is bias in the media. And I asked a friend of mine who is a demographer. And he, what the demographer is, for those who don't know, because I really didn't know what it was until he told me, Mm -hmm. was um, he tracks trends. So I asked him, is there a Hippocratic oath that like doctors, you know, that do no harm, things like that. Yeah. Is there like a Hippocratic oath for the media? And he goes, oh, yes, there is. It's called the Society for Professional Journalists, and they have an ethics code. So if you type in Society for Professional Journalists ethics code, Mm -hmm. it goes to the ethics code. And what it says in the number one, the very first thing is the accuracy of your work. The media has failed that. An example, last week, I can't, I don't remember, it was a female anchor on CNN. Mm-hmm. She was interviewing uh, Republican Senator um, Rick Scott of Florida. And they were talking about the, the, the race in Georgia. And she said, critical race theory is not being taught in the public school system. Rick Scott said, I beg to differ. Yeah. Here is the evidence that showed the Commonwealth of Virginia Department of Education stated the, how to teach critical, and they even spelled it out, critical race theory. And it started in 2015 under then-Governor, Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe. Now, what people need to understand, and I asked my friend this because he was in the news be- media business for many years, they have a research team. Mm-hmm. That does all the research. Like I was watching Fox News last night because one of my favorite shows is Brett Baer's special report. And then they had some, um, which I didn't. I kind of knew this, but I didn't know the, the, the extent of it. Someone had emailed them a response is, how often do you, how long does it take you to prepare your show? And do you change, at do like an audible at the last minute to change it up? Mm-hmm. And he goes, typically we have a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning and we're debating, discussing, moving things around. And then a lot of times we do an audible right before the show starts. Yeah. And so think about this. He has a staff that helps him put his show together. And then he also has a research staff that does all his research for him. Mm -hmm. So they can prep. Like I do a radio show up in um, a small town in Brooksville, uh, Florida, which is just a little bit north of Tampa. Well, they prep the radio host. They get them what's go, what's trending in the news, and they'll send it to them so they can keep them ready. Yeah. I'm a one-man show. I do my own re- – and you know this, Joe. Yep. I do my own, my, my own research, and I'm working 50 hours a week, and I'm still doing my own research. Mm-hmm. 
I knew CRT, critical race theory, was being um, practiced or taught how to be implemented in the Virginia schools because I saw the document. Yeah. Why isn't why is that reporter or analyst saying it's not? So that means in the ethics code in the fourth paragraph or fourth chapter, mm-hmm. it states. I mean, I'm not. I'm going to be verbatim. It's not to be to be impartial in your reporting. Now we all have biases, whether you're conservative, Republican, or Democrat, or liberal, or, or socialist. We all have our bias, but when you're a reporter, mm-hmm. you're supposed to check that bias at the door. Now, on this program, and you know this, Joe, we lean center right. But if I can't find things, or like sometimes you you will say something that you've heard, yeah, and I will always say, I haven't heard that, or I haven't researched that fully before I make an opinion on it, mm-hmm. before I state what is fact, what is fiction. The media doesn't do that. They run everything. Yeah. And the, how many times have they run a story based off one accusation or one one source? I can't count. <laughs> but even in the ethics code, it, it, this is all bullet well, points. It's not like you have to read a document. Yeah. It also says in the bullet point, sources. You're supposed to vet your sources. And and I talked to this this. Former news guy, he goes, if I came to you with a story and I only had one source, would you run it? And he goes, no, because it's not verifiable. You can't run just with one person said. Well, that was then. This is now. And there seems to be a consistent and ongoing problem. How do you fix it? I mean, because if you were to come in and maybe – uh, fine or tax or something with those people, you're violating their First Amendment right to say whatever the hell they want, whether you like it or not. Well, yes and no. The media also is, let me see, the media has the freedom of the press is not absolute. Yeah. Remember, I don't know what his first name is. I can't remember. But remember the the Covington um, kids from yeah. that high school? Yeah. They were... At this, and they made a mistake to go to a pro pro life mo- protest in D.C. and they wore a MAGA hat. Yeah. Well, remember this Native American comes up to him, bangs his drum in front of him, and the kid just stood there smiling and let it go. Yeah. And well, they made him look like the instigator. And they made him. The video right away was like he started this, he instigated this, but then when other videos surfaced days mm-hmm. later showed. There was this radical group that was taunting these kids, and this Native American went up to them. And so what he did is, and he was vilified throughout the media. Well, he sued all the news organizations and won. We don't know how much, but... But he won a good substantial amount of money. Like he doesn't have to work anymore, or he has a comfortable living? He doesn't have to work anymore. (laughs) But the news media, because they willfully knew... That was a false story. You can't print something if you knowingly know that's a false story. Is that just like is that what their code or is there like a rule or a well, law just, behind it? I is, there, to, is there any case material? Like I would have to go back and look at the case material for the media on that, and I'll get back with you on that. But the media is not absolute. You can't just print something and say, "Oh, by the way, okay, I'm in the media. I can get away with it." That doesn't work like that. 
So like, okay, let's say if MSNBC, uh, CNN, maybe like CBS, uh, ABC <coughs> went after this Rittenhouse kid, had they not done that, would he have still gone to, would he still, would it be such a speculate? No, they didn't, if they didn't attack him personally. Then he probably wouldn't have gone you, you, could, in a court. But what they did is they deliberately knew that that was a false story and they ran with it anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't have apps. Freedom of the press, it doesn't give you absolute freedom to print what you want. So basically what could have happened, it, it was videoed, he gets arrested, he goes, grand jury sees it. They said, okay, it's self-defense, blah, 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 out. But since everybody was making a big deal about it. There may be some liabilities. Okay. That they, that he can sue because they defamed his character in such a malicious manner, knowing that the stuff they were printing was false. Now, even if okay, if he is found guilty, which wouldn't surprise me now in days. I mean, like you got a couple of years ago, I'd be like, no way. But you no, know, now how things are going. But if he's found guilty, are they still liable, and can he still sue them? That's up to a court, and I don't know. I'm not well versed on all that. But okay. the thing is, I've listened to other constitutional experts like Alan Dershowitz, Jonathan Turley. Alan Dershowitz is the, uh, uh, what is it, law professor emeritus, I think, at uh, Harvard University. Jonathan Turley is a law professor at George Washington University. And they said, even if he's found guilty, because of the prosecutorial misconducts and the way they handled this and the way they presented it and he's got grounds for this to be overturned yeah and you know what i think a lot of people don't understand and i learned this a couple of years ago is that when it's like defense or prosecution or even if it's like a civil suit or something like that they kind of lean heavy are, are they are they they maybe carte blanche a lot of things for like the defendant or the plaintiff or I'm sorry, the defendant in um, like a, a civil case, because they know that if they could still prove guilty, it gives them less of a chance to retry. Yeah, but see, the thing is, in our system, it's got to be beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And all the defense has to do is, what would you do if someone was hitting you, attacking you, chasing you down? And as the prosecution said, well, you should just take a beating, but you didn't give you the right. If someone hits you with a skateboard, doesn't give you the right to shoot and kill them. Or the fact that it was like, oh, well, so-and-so was violent, but was he violent to you? So, I mean. I, and then, like, in Florida, we have, in like, Florida, we have laws. Like, if I see you and it looks like you're up to no good and you're going to hurt somebody else, I can exercise my right, you know, stand your ground. Because it's not that you're affecting me, is that if you're going to cause harm to somebody else, yeah, you're going to commit a crime be, somewhere else. But it's got to be serious harm that's going to result in serious injury or death. Yeah. Now, if someone hits you with a skateboard, yeah, that's going to hurt. But you can be killed if someone hits you with a skateboard. Yeah. I mean, you and I have uh, come in those kind of situations all the time where we've had to use deadly force or have been brought close enough to using deadly force when we were overseas and we were in a certain situation but see, the, where it could get is getting hairy or 
you know. But see, the thing is, in the military, when we were in Iraq or Afghanistan, it's a whole different ball game because that's we're in a combat situation. So, are the rules and different the rules of laws of war are are, are not ap- applicable in this situation? But here, if and this is goes this goes to any state. If someone is attacking you and you you believe you're going to suffer serious bodily harm or death, mm-hmm. you have the right to defend yourself. But we also know that coming in the military, if we were in a skirmish or a firefight or even where there were casualties on either side, there was an investigation as well. Oh, yeah, there was. There was many times there was investigations. They have the JAG attorneys. Every battalion has a JAG officer. Yeah assigned to them, and they would investigate. And they have investigated certain situations. Uh, have you ever been a part of those investigations? No, I haven't. But I was on the um, staff where they were doing investigations. Yeah. So, but in this case, there's things that the media presented were were blatantly false. And they knew it was blatantly false. Mm-hmm. But even just like when the president called him a white supremacist, yeah. nobody asked... Was he a white supremacist? Is that him just maybe, what's it called? Identity politics, but where he, he's just trying to, he's, there's a certain group he's just trying to appeal to. Yeah, okay, but let's go with that. Remember when how much outrage there was when Donald Trump interjected himself into ongoing investigations? Yeah. The media jumped all over him. Why isn't the media, why is the media now? Why are they silent when it's a Democrat interjecting himself or when now when they're finding out where's the reporting when they like I was just watching the news today. Remember when the National National School Board Association sent a letter to the Justice Department wanting them to investigate parents and call them domestic terrorists. Mm -hmm. Well, the the, the, um, Attorney General Merrick Garland said, I don't know anything about that. He, he, he lied. But he lied. So he forwards a letter to the FBI, and they're still investigating. Now we're finding out that the White House was involved and said, well, I never directed, but did you, you called the attorney general. So mm-hmm. if the attorney general gets a call from the president, guys, what? Your, your ears are going to perk up. Yeah. But why hasn't the press covered that? Why haven't they investigated that? Now we look at... The okay, I know this is old news, but it's not old news. Look mm-hmm. at the Russian collusion story. Yeah, we were captivated for a couple of years. Now, John Durham, I think a week ago, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, just indicted Igor Damchenko, if I pronounced his name right. Yeah, for fault given false information and lying to the FBI. He's already pro already had one attorney. Plead guilty, and all the and another attorney he's indicted was involved by lying to the FBI, and both of them were linked to the Clinton campaign. Uh-huh. There was crickets in the media. The Washington Post finally issued two retractions, but they're not giving back their um, Pulitzer Prize they shared with the New York Times in December of 2018 because of the relentless. Per- Reporting on the Russian collusion between Trump and Russia. Yeah. That proved false. Why hasn't they asked Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, who said many times, I've seen the evidence. It's in plain sight. It's overwhelming. Yeah. 
Where's the evidence? Why haven't they said, hey, Representative Schiff, show us what you've got? Yeah. Or what about Robert Mueller when he was asked in a um, congressional testimony after the release of his Mueller report? Do you know anything about Fusion GPS? And he said he didn't know. How would you do a Russian collu- Russian investigation and not know what Fusion GPS? The media was silent then. Yeah. Well, I mean, and but the the thing is, is that they're, they're going to keep on doing what they do with no recourse. I mean, and, and, well, and I mean, what what can we do? We just stop watching them. Or? That is the recourse because I was talking with Scott McDonald. He does, like I said, he's the demographer, and there was a reports that came out on ratings. Mm-hmm. CNN's ratings are like their top. I think their prime time lineup was beaten out by the Hallmark Channel. T Lifetime. Hey, hold on. Hallmark Channel's got some good stuff going know, on now. They got, they, they got the Christmas shows hitting. They got the Christmas shows. So of course, I'm, of course, they're going to run all over CNN. But I mean, but. The point is, even MSN, their ratings are plummeting. So I asked them on my way over here, are the advertisers um, going to redo their contracts? And he goes, yeah, they they redo these over, over repeatedly over time mm-hmm. because what they look at is the numbers that they, they – what they paid for, they were supposed to be up in ratings up here, and now they're way below, and they're dropping precipitously. Yeah. So what's like take CNN, MSN, they have shareholders and their shareholders are very probably very liberal, progressives or whatever, but they're still business. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to address the fact that they're cratering viewerships. And if their advertiser says, I'm not going to advertise at this level because we're not getting the viewership. So they got to pay bills. All these anchors make into the millions of dollars. Yeah. So if their ratings are dropping, that means their advertiser dollars are dropping. They're not going to be able to afford to pay whatever Andrew Cuomo's making or Brian Stetler or any of these other – or Rachel Maddow. They can't afford that. At what point does like CNN and MSNBC and CBS, ABC, uh, even Fox – You know, I don't want to include Fox you know, because you know, I guess it is kind of like a left-right thing. But when does it start maybe turning into – like a tabloid versus an actual news report. Well, it's it has turned into a tabloid already. Mm-hmm. It has been for a few years when they they jump on every innuendo, half truths, or whatever, and it's just a mess. Now I still go back to this. This one gentleman, he's passed away. His name was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was a famous Russian dissident. He was in the Gulag system during the Soviet Union. He was exiled to the West, spoke at a Harvard commencement address in 1978. And it's pretty lengthy. And he go to the bottom, and he just destroys the media. And he basically said, who holds you accountable when you misreport or you twist the story around to fit your narrative? Who holds you accountable? All you do is pat yourself on the back and you move on. But who holds you accountable? And that's the point. The only way to hold these the media accountable is stop watching their sta- their stations or stop bo- reading their newspapers. Well, it does, but you know, like 
Another thing I, I, I found out was that, so like CNN or the news networks, these 24-hour news networks, they will pay establishments, including like airports or they'll pay them to, that's what you do. You have to run our news network all the time while it's, you're at the airport or you're at a sporting event or, you know, something like, or yeah, even at a bar. They will, they're paying people to run, like, isn't that kind of like cheating a little bit? You're kind of creating your own ratings by paying them? Yeah, but it's, people are just, the what happens is, and you're seeing this now, people are tuning out these radio, these stations mm-hmm. because they're no longer news. Now, where it's going to hurt, and we'll have to see what happens in 2024 when the presidential debate goes up, yeah, and they start to uh, negotiate the who's going to sponsor it. How would you go to a CNN town hall? Why would you when it's you know that CNN has been in the tank for the Democrats? Oh yeah. Why would you go to ABC or anybody else when these reporters have been vil- just really gone at it? Mm-hmm. Look at the treatment between. Whatever I don't care what people's political views are. Look at how Trump was treated compared to Joe Biden. Can you imagine if the Afghan debacle, the uh, rising inflation, the supply chain disruption, all these economic problems happened under Donald Trump? How would you think the media would have covered it? They would have blamed him every single second of every single day until something was fixed. But, you know... I kind of have my I, I my my a different idea or view on what the media actually did to see the media by not reporting all this stuff under the Biden administration. I think what they're really doing is they're hindering his ability to fix it. No, I would agree with that. And the thing is, is that whether the media the media downright hated Donald Trump, but if anything, they made him. A better president, and the only reason why he was a better president was because of the media. Because if something came up, Trump was very quick to fix it or put it out. Or, or, or no, I would agree. And you know, so the media doesn't understand right now that they can actually fix or make Biden look like gold or a shiny, you know, diamond from above. If they were just more scrutinizing, they were if they would scrutinize him more about what is he what what he's doing. No, I would agree, and it's just like how many times President Biden gives a press conference, mm-hmm. and then he just he'll, he'll not press conference he'll he'll speak, yeah, and then he walks off. He always does this one thing where he like starts to walk one way and then turns the other way. He always does like this, well, like, he does, like he this does, media juke. He's but like, whatever he does, he, he, he'll, he'll, he'll give a statement and then he walks off. Mm-hmm. And it's it like, and the press wants to ask questions. Can you imagine Donald Trump doing that? Gives a statement and then walks off. I'm not talking to the, or here's who they told me to call on. Mm-hmm. And then he'll just go, Remember CNN suing the president because he wouldn't talk to Jim Acosta. They done the same thing to Joe Biden. Absolutely not. And um, that's the problem. So how much of your information, even stuff that's going on in the world right now, do you get from TikTok? I really don't get my news from TikTok. Well, you might want to try. Uh, <laughs> I, there's some things I, I, I do fall, I look at and listen to what they said. There was... 
But I mean, most of my news comes from, and it's surprising. I don't get my news from Fox either. Mm-hmm. I watch more Fox programs. But, no, you get it from independent media sources. Well, it's I go to think tank. I go to policy centers. I read a lot of books on the subject matter that I'm interested. That I, I have a, an interest in. Mm-hmm. There's some. I listen to what elected officials say on both sides. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying I'm a historian. But I am a student of history, yeah. and I look at back at history. I follow world events to see what's what's trending, what's going on, and I, I just listen to both sides and make an objective opinion through my own experience of and my own studies because I have a master's degree in national security studies. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I use my own research, but I listen to what other people – and here's a strange one, what most people don't know about. I also listen to the average American. Yeah. I'll talk to somebody at the, like I talked to a gentleman today at Chick-fil-A when we were both getting uh, something to eat. I I listen to you, Joe. Yeah. You have a different perspective because you're a a family man. Yeah. You you have a wife, you have three kids, you, you have different experiences that I don't have, so I'll listen to your concerns. I listen to other families' concerns when they talk about supply chain disruption. Yeah. I know a, a mother and her husband both work at Chick-fil-A. They have a young son. She was talking about grocery bills. Her milk expenditures has gone up because of milk prices have gone up. Mm-hmm. So that's where I get my information. Then if I hear, like, okay, if Fox says something, I have to get on the computer. My, I'm staying with a friend mine and we watch the news together a lot of times i'm always on my computer trying to verify what they say yeah so if they say something i gotta verify it to say where do they get that information and i do that to you sometimes too i'll hear something or i see something and i'll just i gotta tell you or and see and then you're really quick to come back with yes or no and that's what i mean i think this is what the show's mostly about is like Stuff that people hear from the outside, bring it here to us so we can kind of look at it. Well, here's an example. What was it? Yesterday, Fox reported it was on. I was watching special report with Brett Baer, and I think he's a good journalist because he he always plays both sides. If mm-hmm. someone says one say, he will play the devil's advocate on the other. He You never give his opinion. He's a, I think he's a very good journalist. Well, I think on his program, someone mentioned that. Medicare Part B increased 14%. Mm-hmm. And Medicare Part B is, you know, the, um, is the uh, let's say, doctor's office visits, x-rays, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the largest increase ever in Medicare's history. And so I had to look that up, and that was verified by the Medicare actuary for the program, saying, yep, it's increasing 14%. Mm-hmm. So that's going to hurt a lot of the senior citizens who are on a fixed income having to pay that extra cost in Medicare. So if some, even Fox, even that show that I like, Brett Bear, I always have to follow up with it to see where do they get their information so I can report on it and say this is where they got their information. Yeah. So. So how, okay, maybe like leaving us with how do you – Okay, how do you fix the the, the journalistic or journalism and also not violate their First Amendment right? 
the first thing, it starts at the journalism schools and all the major institutions or college and universities is explaining them, hey, when you guys study this, the ethics in journalism, you can have your opinions. You can have your who you support, who you don't support. But when you start to take that opinion and inject it in your reporting, mm -hmm. that's where it has to start. The other way is there are good journalists out there. There are. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, Brett Baer. But I also liked Charles Lane. Charles Lane is a reporter or uh, commentating from Washington Post. Washington Post is by far no conservative outlet. No, especially when and Jeff Bezos owns it. Charles Lane leans center left. But Charles Lane is fair in his reporting. I think he's a good journalist. Mm -hmm. There are good journalists out there. What the good journalists need to do is hold their colleagues and their profession in check. Yeah. Much like the steroid era in baseball. Mm -hmm. Not every baseball player juiced. Not every home run champion juiced. But when they failed to hold their fellow athletes accountable, because now it tainted them. Mm -hmm. And like Ted Koppel told CNN president, what are you going to do when Trump's no longer president? And then he also complained about he doesn't really like these bloggers that you know report on the news because we're in the game. We're doing this all day. They're doing it like part time. But I would, would have said to Ted Koppel, what are you doing to hold your colleagues in check when they fail to report something or when they totally mis, uh, mislead or do a blatantly false story. Mm -hmm. Like remember during the Kavanaugh hearings, NBC News, as an example, and Washington Post started this. They interviewed people making these salacious accusations against um, Brett Kavanaugh. They had no evidence to back it up. Yeah. And that was the one of the violations of ethics and journalism. And it states, and I'll say it verbatim, it said you have to protect the victim, mm -hmm. but you must protect, but you also must protect the person being accused before they've been formally charged. Now, in that story, I know this is rehashing old news, there was no evidence that linked them together. Mm -hmm. There was no evidence that they ran in the same circles. She made this accusation. The people that she said could corroborate her story know nothing of what she was talking about. Yeah. Then she said she, I was driven to the, the, the place in question. She couldn't say who drove her there. Then she said, I left early. My friend was there, never told her about it for years. Mm -hmm. I left and I called and got a ride. Okay, well, this is 1982. There were no cell phones. Where did you get a ride? Who, who picked you up? Where did you make the phone call at? Yeah. But when the same accusation was made by Tara Reid to the Washington Post, their response was, well, we couldn't corroborate her story, so we didn't run it. Yeah, that's not the same what you did to Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's got to change. And the, the good reporters need to question 
the bad reporters, but they also need to hold the news directors, the news producers, and the organizations they work for in question because look at the LA, no, excuse me, the New York Times. Mm-hmm. It used to be the best news organizations in the country. If they reported it, there was something there. If they didn't report it, there wasn't anything there. Now they're just a tool of the Democratic Party. Yeah. So they've lost credibility, and maybe the other way is stop buying their newspapers. Yeah. All right, so how can they go ahead and get a hold of us, John? Well, you can go to our email. Go to UbaldiReports at gmail.com, and I do check it. Just so you know, that's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook groups, type in Ubaldi Reports. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're on TikTok, so you can contact us there at Ubaldi Reports. And all the streaming sites, you can leave messages there. We'll get them. So we'd like to hear from you and love what you think. All right. And then remember, we are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitch. We are live on Facebook. We are live on TikTok. And, you know, everybody uh, just, you know, keep us in mind and have a great day. Have a great day and keep listening to Ubaldi Reports and tell your friends and family about it. Till next time, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports. All right. Well,